James, is there? <clears throat> wow. Okay. Let me try that again. And the home of the Sneakers and another week has come and gone, and it is our sincere pleasure. I speak on behalf of James. I hope I, I shouldn't. I should only speak for myself, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and speak on behalf of James and say it is our sincere pleasure to be back here with you once again, talking right at ya, James. Am I am I going too far? Should I uh, have I overstepped my bounds? Absolutely not. I appreciate it. And thank you. Yeah, of course. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. How about yourself? I am doing all right. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm loosey-goosey, baby, and I'm ready to do a podcast. Some, uh, some of that, I don't know, pod talking. Yeah. I got which that pod I... talking. You know what I mean. That pod talking. I don't, I don't know. What, why do you tolerate this nonsense? Because it's Why do you let me do this? Very entertaining. I don't even like disco. What, why, what, what? <laughs> They're making another Mamma Mia movie. I don't know if you saw that. What? A sequel. They're making a sequel to Mamma Mia. Good Lord, so, why? Uh, I just figured, you know, ABBA was, was of that era. So okay. it's topical. I saw a trailer for it before. What did we just go see? Wife, what did we just go see in the movies? <laughs> She's ignoring me, as she usually does. Okay. Uh, I'm going to have to think of this myself. We just went to see Star Wars. I think it was before Star Wars we saw the trailer. Okay. No. What? Oh, no. The Post. We saw. We, we did see Star Wars. We didn't see the Mamma Mia trailer before that. We saw it before The Post, which was a very ah. good movie. I highly recommend it to anyone okay. who hasn't seen it. Okay. That's uh, Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. Um, you know. One of your classic newspaper shenanigan movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that was very good. Okay. But uh, I'm glad that you're all loosey-goosey because... Wavy gravy, baby. Because um, before we get into the podcast, uh, as Gary always alludes to how we were during the week and what we were up to and things like that, we... Played some deck hockey for the first time in weeks because the weather finally broke and it was a beautiful day. And we played from the morning through the afternoon. And Yes, I tell you when I was not loosey-goosey, Monday. <laughs> yeah. Monday I was stiffy-whiffy. But you gutted it out because I want to get to something that we did Monday night, which was a blast as yeah. well. And okay. I want to thank you for that All right. on the air for officially. But the games that we played in the LIQ were... Very highly contested and tight. A lot of guys showed up. It was great. Yeah. So a lot more guys showed up than said that they would, which was a nice surprise. And if but, you were paying attention to our Facebook page on Sunday, then you saw our featured Hit the Deck Games of the Week, which is a thing I just made up. But um, you saw our bonus coverage of the LIQ games, the, our first two games that we played this past weekend. You had a front row on the glass seat for those games. And I hope you had a chance to go check them out because they were pretty intense. And uh, the first game saw James and I facing off against one another. And the second game, James did not play in. However, I played in and it was a hotly contested game that went to overtime. And if you want to know how that turned out, then you're going to have to go to Facebook and check that video out. And also, thank you for bringing that up. I want to thank uh, the uh, great commentary that was done by the LIQ members. Yes. Include, I believe Carlos was one of them, and I do know that you see uh, Brett make a great appearance in there. And Rob interviewed me between periods in the first game. Cool. I think Jeff even uh, did some commentary as well, mm -hmm. so thank you guys for that. Sure, yep. Thank uh, you. But 
the save of possibly, I think, the greatest save I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen a lot of hockey. I've watched a lot of NHL and played a lot of deck and roller and, and things of that nature. But the most insane save I've ever seen, and that includes the great Mike Richter and other acrobatic NHL stars, uh, that, that netminders that made the art form the way it is today, the American Rhino made the save, the best save I've ever seen in my life. So, And we have it on video. Thank the good Lord for that. James, I, I think you might be overselling it a bit. I know it was it was a really what happened was really cool and and really remarkable. But I, as I have told you repeatedly, I had very little to do with what actually wound up occurring. But uh, so let me set the scene for you guys. So I'm in net, and there's a couple of players bearing down on me. The play is in front of me, and it's not like a, a clean break. It's it's just the pucks gets, I think, passed out right like in front of the crease, you know, between the circles or whatever. So um, there's, there's a, a couple of guys that are like, it all happened very fast. Somebody went to take a shot, I guess, and one of the defenders got his stick in there, I think, and I had laid out on my belly and swiped to try and poke the puck away because, you know, I don't like pucks in front of me. <laughs> I uh, The poke check is one of the uh, the biggest weapons in my arsenal. I, I, I go to that a lot. So No, you don't. No, uh, no, no I, I admit no. it. Uh, an aggressive poke check is a big part of my game, and, and it often works for me, and, uh, uh, you know, sometimes it doesn't, but so be it. But um, so I, I laid out for it, and I tried to poke the puck, and through the combination of sticks, the puck just kind of squirted up in the air and it kind of in a high arc and landed in one of my pads. Uh, like it, 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 it plopped right in the, the, the seam, like the leg channel of one of my pads between my leg and the pad. Whereas if it had not hit at that exact spot, it would have bounced in for a goal in overtime and won the game. But uh, it did not because I got very lucky in terms of where my leg was. Okay, I'll, I'll grant you that, but it was a save that Dominic Hasek would have been very proud of and tipped his, uh, his helmet to because that's what a kind of save it was. And as we said, we've said many times again how we love guys like Hasek and Richter, uh, really acrobatic, exciting goalies that never give up and do anything that they have to to stop the puck mm -hmm. at any cost. And that's, as Gary has said in the past too, especially when we had Mike on, that uh, exactly, you don't give up no matter what. And that was a prime example of that. So, yeah, okay, it was luck, but it worked, and you did it, and you did your job, and it was fantastic. But the thing that I really loved was the reaction of everybody, because when that happened, I was standing on the opposite side of the rink, so I yeah. was on uh, Craig's side. He was mm -hmm. playing goal for the other team. So when we first heard the roar, he and I thought that his team won. Yeah, well, I, I did, too, because I'm laying on the ground with, you know, face down, and I hear a bunch of guys on the sidelines just screaming. And I'm like, and, and, and I don't see the puck. I know, you know, probably went behind me. So I'm like, okay, that's the game. And then I hear them shouting, no goal, no goal. It's in his pad. It's in his pad. Right. So then Craig and I look at each other. I said, didn't you just win? You said, I don't know. And then that's how we found out that you made that insane save. Yeah. And speaking of insane saves, uh, I have to give credit where credit is due. Another great save was made by not even a goalie, um, by Dan Schwartz, who, who was playing, uh, you know, a position. And so just to give you an idea, the puck kind of uh, was, this was the other team. My team was attempting to score. And so the puck kind of kicked out to the, the side alongside the net. And Craig, who is the other goalie, he laid out to try and stop it, but it was uh, he, he was taken out of position. And the guy who had it, uh, Eric, he, he took the shot. He, he lobbed it up over Craig for what should have been just a puck that would easily bounce into the net. But out of nowhere and right on the goal line comes sprinting in Dan Schwartz, who reaches out with his hand and bats the puck out pretty much on the goal line. And as the LIQ knows, because I 
posted, uh, I went to the videotape, I went to Toronto, and I posted a screen cap of it from the HD camera feed that I, I had recorded. And uh, it definitively showed that Dan did bat it away before it crossed the goal line. So credit to him for not giving up on the play. All right. Well, that just gives you an idea of the type of hockey that we play in uh, in the LIQ. And I hope that you have some great war stories, too, out there. And don't hesitate to share them with us. Yeah, we absolutely want to hear it. And, uh, you know, if you have any footage of these kind of games that you want to share with us and want to share with the rest of the Hit the Deck community, we'd love to see it. Drop us a link or drop us a line and we'll work something out. So, yeah, anything you want to contribute to this podcast or, or you want to share, any awesome game stories that you have, please send them our way. Feel free to post about it on our Facebook page at Hit the Deck or, you know, you can email us at hitthedeck, D-E-K, at gmail.com. And, you know, we're going to ha- be more than happy to pass it on because we love hockey. We especially love deck hockey. And this is the kind of stuff that really gets our juices flowing, as you can tell from listening to the podcast just now. Right. And um, I'm going to go a little bit off the rails here before we get back on track for the, the deck hockey talk. I'm going but- off the rails on a crazy train. Oh, it's going to be one of those podcasts. I'm sorry. Please continue. I just wanted to officially thank you. You're welcome. For Monday night, because thanks to the American Rhino, he was able to score me a ticket also to see WWE's 25th anniversary Monday Night Raw yes. from Barclay Center in Brooklyn, yes, which was a thrill and a half. That was a lot of fun, yeah. In uh, Which was also the precursor to this Sunday's Royal Rumble, which is their annual pay-per-view event in January. And uh, if you listen to the podcast last January then you might recall that our tribute to the Royal Rumble was the champion checkdown. And uh, so if, if you want to relive that or if you missed it the first time around, please go back to last January, January 2017, and check out that episode because we had a lot of fun with that. Definitely one of my all-time favorite segments of this podcast, and it, it really delivered. You'll love it if you missed it before. But yeah, that, that was amazing to see. Uh, it, was, it was great. A lot of people around us, too, were kept saying, oh, it's like a pay-per-view. It was such a huge event, yeah. and, and it really was. So they delivered well, and it was great to see The Undertaker again, which is the main reason why Gary got the tickets. And uh, even though he was in the Manhattan Center, which was amazing how they had the both events, uh, or at least the event from two different venues, mm-hmm. and I think they did a pretty good job in uh, keeping it, at least for us in the Barclays Center. I, I guess people in the Manhattan Center may have a different opinion, but... Uh, they got to see The Undertaker live in, in person and uh, DX and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. I got to see Stone Cold Steve Austin stun Vince McMahon, which is a first for me. So that was nice. Yeah, and that never gets old either. So that, that was fun to see in person. And I also got to enjoy a bit of humor when James uh, commented to me that he thought it would be funny if Vince McMahon was announcing our podcast. <laughs> uh, oh, right. and, and I opined it might sound a little something like this. It's hockey in sneakers. <laughs> Which, uh, uh, by the way, if you have missed it, James, I, I texted you and it's been in the news. But in case you've missed it, the big news, Vince McMahon is planning on bringing back the XFL. The XFL. In 2020. So, um... Here's to the $100 million he's about to burn. So, uh, you know, good luck to you, sir. Yeah, that's great. Something to look forward to, I suppose. I suppose. I I admit, though, I do have a uh, New York, New Jersey hitman jersey, and I do have an XFL football. Nice. Yeah, so (laughs) I hope uh, 2.0 is a little bit more successful than the original. And I'm sure once the XFL gets rolling, he'll get into the uh, XLB and... Oh, no, uh, no. (laughs) The the XBA and no, no, then no. of course the No no don't please the, don't <laughs> The XHL oh. oh no And please, then of Lord. course of course that will lead to our spin-off podcast Hit the X <laughs> It's hockey uh. without dignity Oh uh, I was looking forward I like it Yeah I can't wait But in the meantime you know, we've gone, what, 15 minutes, and we haven't even introduced ourselves. I think that might be a new record, James. 
I believe you're right. What a class act we are. Okay. So, well, we, in that case, it is more than past time to jump into our far belated starting lineup. So, in goal, as ever, I am number 35, your American rhino, Gary McComiskey. And of course, of course, there can be no doubt that right here, my illustrious partner, on defense, number four, I'm James Sajazi. Yes, and before sir. we continue, I just have to really apologize for goofing up and introducing our guests in the last podcast. And I also apologize for mispronouncing one of the names of our guests of the last podcast. So Oli Posternin, I kept referring to him as Ali. So I don't know if that's an accent thing, but I was 0 for 2 there. So my sincere apologies to the listener and to you, American Rhino. And of course, to the on the bench boys. Sure, yeah, why not? I uh, yeah, I. <laughs> which, if you missed it last week, we had a great interview with the guys from on the bench. So you know they're a riot, and we had a lot of fun with them. So please go back and listen to that because uh, I think you'll enjoy that interview. And James, I don't want you to take all the heat for this because I also mispronounced his name throughout the duration of that interview. In fact, I didn't even realize I was mispronouncing his name until halfway through editing last week's podcast when it was far too late to correct it. So, Oli and Jacob, I apologize uh, sincerely for the mistake, um, the the missy, uh, <laughs> or the, the, the airy, and I hope next time that we'll do a little better. Yeah, so again, if that was just an accent thing or whatever, we will do it the correct way in the future, as the American Rhino said. But anyway, live and learn, I suppose. Yes. And what shall we learn on this episode of Hit the Deck, James? Would you be so kind as to tell us what is on deck? Yes, sir. Thank you. Book report. As we mentioned, my brother, sister-in-law, and godchildren gave me the Gretzky book, 99 Stories of the Game, for Christmas. Now, I'm a slow reader, so there's a lot more for me to look forward to, but in honor of the Great One's birthday on January 26th, Gary and I will share some of the amazing hockey history lesson Professor Gretzky has taught us so far. And shiny new All-Star. In case you may not have known, the NHL All-Star weekend starts off Saturday night, January 27th, with the skills competition, and the game is Sunday afternoon, January 28th, from Tampa FLA. The American Rhino and I will prep you on the fun. And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. You're welcome, sir. Hey, now, you're an all-star. That's a dated reference. Maybe uh, so, but it reminds me of our college days, so that always makes me happy and can't believe that it was that long ago. Yeah, we're old. Yeah. You and I, we're old, James. Well, speaking of old, the uh, some of the great things from this book – so far, I'm not even halfway through it, is the first pro hockey league, which uh, predated the NHL. Do the tell. International Professional Hockey League started in Houghton or Houghton, depending on who, how you're pronouncing, speaking of pronouncing things. Can I call Michi- it Houghton? Sure. All right. Uh, how about Houghton? Houghton? Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. You, you continue, please. I'm going to start thinking of other silly pronunciations that, that I can come up with for this place. Okay. Well, I looked it up and, and I've heard either Houghton or Houghton. So anyway, it's Hogtown. There you go. Uh, Houghton, Michigan. So it's, it was in America, but it was started by a Canadian dentist of all people, Jack Gibson in 1904. Well, that just makes good sense. He's trying to drum up business. Apparently so. So that was the uh, precursor to the NHL. That was the IPHL. The International and, uh, Professional Hockey League. Very nice. Yeah. So that was something interesting that, that I learned from the Gretzky book. Another thing is uh, reading about the extremely important people that made the NHL and have been immortalized in so many ways. You may know these names, such as Lord Stanley, Con Smythe, and forgive me if I'm going to mess this up, but I think it's George Vezina, the uh, amazing goalie that the Vezina Trophy is named after. Yeah, it sounds right. I believe his first name was Joseph, too, but whatever. David Hart, Frank Calder, Lady Evelyn Bing, Lester Patrick, and Jack Adams, just to name a few. Nice. Yeah, it's, you know, pardon my ignorance, but it's just 
funny to, it blows my mind to see these names and read about the actual histories of these real human beings interacting and, and either owners or uh, fans or players or whatever the case is. But it's just amazing to see how legendary they are and why these great honors of having these amazing trophies named after them. And, uh, you know, for example, the Hart Trophy goes to the MVP of the league. You know, Con Smythe goes to the MVP of the postseason. Of course, everybody knows the Stanley Cup. Calder Trophy, uh, the Lady Bing, and, and, you know, the Patrick and Adams divisions and stuff. It's, Vezina, it's just, yeah. Yeah, Vezina, of course. It's sure. amazing. Yeah, no, it is. Absolutely. As fans, I think we just accept these names as the, the names of awards and, and the uh, erstwhile divisions in hockey and it's just kind of like okay i guess they were named after somebody but you know everything <laughs> everything that's a name is named after somebody so you know whatever but to actually you know read about what these guys did and what they really contributed and understand why these things were named after them is very interesting yeah and that's one of the things i love about the nhl and uh, you know gary and i always say what huge baseball fans we are and we've grown up with it but uh, I love history and and leagues and whatever anybody that embraces history to let you know where it started and how it became and not take things for granted. It's I, I love that and uh, the NHL did has done and will do continues to do such a fantastic job of that. Obviously, just celebrating the 100th anniversary and, and all that stuff, where it was a bit more in the fore. But exactly, these names will live on forever. So speaking of incredible names. The first, he was considered the first NHL star, Mr. Howie Morenz, and uh, he played center mostly for the Canadians, where he won the cup three times. He briefly played with the uh, Blackhawks and Rangers as well, and his career was pretty brief, just from 1923 to 1937. And he led the Canadians in goals and points from 1926 through 1932, that's consecutively. At the time of his death, and he was very young when he passed away, and we'll get to that in a minute. He set an NHL record for most career points with 472. And that's when the league was really small. They didn't play many games, mm -hmm. so pretty outstanding there. And unfortunately, he passed away very young at only 34 years old. And that was because of complications that started when he fractured his leg in four places that happened in a game. It was a freak accident. He ran into the boards. His skate got stuck, and the player behind him couldn't stop his momentum and just shattered his leg. And then from that point on, just things got worse and worse, and unfortunately he passed away because of it. I don't want to really get into why, but Well, uh, medicine kind of wasn't quite as advanced in 1937, so I guess they didn't have the antibiotics and, and those kind of treatments that we have now that could you know, prevent those kind of infections and complications. Yeah, you're probably right, plus the fact that it was a blood clot that led on from exactly from the uh, the wounds and things and unfortunately he, he ended up passing away from a heart attack but oh, uh, wow. but no you're right that right now i hope that could be easily prevented if somebody has to go through such a horrible time but back to the legendary part of it is that the second nhl all-star game ever played was to raise funds for moren's family in 1937 oh wow and yeah, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more in the future of this podcast as well. And his number seven was the first to be retired by the Canadians. And that's pretty legendary because they've had a roster of one amazing player after another. Mm -hmm. And uh, most of their numbers are retired. So there are a few left for the current Canadians. Yeah. But that's pretty amazing that his was the first. This is going to sound a little before. flip, but given the circumstances of his passing, but uh, I'm a little surprised he only won three cups with them, given how the uh, Canadians have dominated, especially in those early years. Yeah, and uh, that was after, I believe, and um, I'm kind of riffing here, so forgive me if I make some mistakes, but I think the Stanley Cup was like a challenge cup. So after the best team in the NHL won, then they were moved on to play for the Stanley Cup, I believe. I don't think that it was just for the league at that time. Sure. It was the best professional hockey team, period, or something. And you have so, to also remember that the Canadians predate most of the rest of the league, or right. really all the rest of the league, by, you know, a few years. So it's, yeah, you're right. I guess it's not that surprising. Well, no, that just puts it into context. So that, I think that's the reason why. But exactly, because the Canadians were so stacked, and when you're talking about five teams – 
<laughs> you think how could they have not have won the Stanley Cup every year? Yeah. But I think that's uh, the contributing factor to it. But again, um, the cup has always been revered and always been loved and always been cherished. And if uh, Mr. American Rhino wouldn't mind going into our next topic about the history that's discussed by Mr. Wayne Gretzky. Yeah, so uh, this is going into the net, way, way back into the net, and talking about Mr. Zolzhez Vezina, which I'm sure I didn't pronounce right either. But um, so, yeah, Vezina, the guy that the goalie award, the, the award for best goalie in the NHL every year is named after. So funny story about Vezina. He actually played deck hockey. And so the, the the quote that's actually used in the book is he learned to play hockey in his boots. And uh, there you go. Ole uh, from on the bench is definitely onto something because he was telling us how his boots, you know, gave him a lot of traction, which was important. And, uh, you know, the, the high arch uh, helped him play. So that there you go. I guess he learned from Vezina. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely I guess boots are part of the fundies of deck hockey. Who knew? Yeah, I, I got to go out and get me a pair. <laughs> yeah, let me know how that turns out. Okay. I have boots, but not cowboy boots. They're they're like work boots, and uh, they have steel toes, and they're very heavy. Probably wouldn't work for me in net, but I'm no Vezina, so who am I to question, <laughs> right? Maybe I should try them. Maybe. Uh, I, I, anyway, sounds good as a defense. Yeah, so Vezina won the cup twice, and I guess... That's another surprise. You know, somebody is, is uh, well-regarded as a goalie as Vezina only won the cup twice. But again, you know, you can't sometimes look at Henrik Lundqvist, who has won the cup zero times, <laughs> which we've talked about on the podcast before. You know, sometimes being a, a quality goaltender is not enough to carry you to glory. But um, anyway, so he actually named his second son Marcel Stanley. Because uh, the kid was born the night the Canadians won their first cup. And I'm, of course, talking about Vezina here and not Henrik Lundqvist. <laughs> so, yes, his, uh, his Vezina's eldest son was the first baby to have his picture taken cradled in the cup. So, you know, I hope they boiled that thing. <laughs> and remember, back when he won the cup, it really was just like a cup. It it wasn't the majestic giant trophy we have now. I'm I'm putting my hands vertically wide apart, like you can see what I'm doing. I'm describing the the height, uh, the the immense height of the Stanley Cup as a trophy. I'm still doing it. I don't know why, but um, yes. So, you know, it was it was it was just like a small bowl back then. But still, you know. It doesn't. You you don't get the the most coveted trophy in all of sports just by kicking around a bowl. You know, I, I think the the fact that it has grown in stature and majesty over the years has only added to its appeal. But I digress. So yeah, Vezina played from 1910 to 1925, and in those 15 years, he never missed a start. Now uh, he played his entire career for Montreal. And that's between the NHA and the NHL, because as we said, they predated the NHL, the creation of the NHL. So that's why they had their 100th anniversary a number of years ago before the NHL did this year. And so he allowed the fewest goals in seven seasons, recorded the first ever shutout in the NHL and the first goalie assist. So the first goalie point in the NHL went to Vezina. Unfortunately, Vezina also passed away too young, this time from tuberculosis, which, you know, it's, that's one of those diseases that you, you think is like an old-timey disease and you don't even really hear about it anymore. But back then, it was, it was a really big deal. And I have to be honest, that's not something that I think of, not that I'm that well-versed in uh, historical diseases, but... When I think of tuberculosis, I think of that's something that kids got. I didn't think of that as something that adults died from, which, um, I mean, obviously it happened, and that's unfortunate, but here we are. I guess that's just my ignorance there. No, not at all. It's true. The reason being was at the time, the city of Montreal, there was, for some reason, there was a lot of health issues, and people lived on top of one another, and it was real easy to pass disease to one another 
And exactly like you said before, that they didn't have the wonderful health care that they have now and, and this great country has as well. And the technology to save these people and, and beat these diseases. So it's just scary when, when you really look at it. I, I know 100 years sounds like a long time sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. And I think this is an example of, uh, yeah, uh, it's like a totally different world we're talking about. Yeah. And so just to kind of give you the idea of how far back the kind of, uh, not stereotype, because that makes it sound negative, but the, you know, the, uh, the archetype, let's say the archetype of a, you know, the, the prototypical hockey gamer, just to give you an idea of how far back that idea goes. Vezina, one night, you know, dying of tuberculosis, he played a full period, I guess 20 minutes, with a 102 fever and coughing up blood for, for the duration. And even afterwards, he kept his gear on, hoping he'd feel better and could get back into the game. But yeah, I mean, that's a gamer right there. I would, uh, I, I would probably be laying on the ground and struggling to remember my own name if I was in that shape. Uh, so good on you there, uh, George, George's, Georgie. Hey there, Georgie V. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna promise I'm done because I think we all know better. But I'm going to try to stop. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so Vezina and Morenz were both part of the inaugural class of NHL Hall of Fame inductees. There were nine in that class, and, and that was two of them. So there you go. Thank you very much, Professor American Rhino. Sure. Excellent stuff. Some more interesting facts from the Gretzky book is before his historic NHL career even began, and we all know about the great Willie O'Ree, especially recently celebrating Martin Luther King Jr. Day. He was the first black player to play in the NHL. But even before he made it that far, he was blinded in his right eye by a puck. And so forget about overcoming everything because of the nonsense of the uh, color of your skin. But the man couldn't see out of one of his eyes, and then he still made it to the NHL and had a great career. I mean, talk about talent and sheer determination. God bless you, Mr. Willie O'Ree. He's still alive and well, and he's a hero on many, many levels. Yeah, they just had him uh, out to celebrate the anniversary. So, you know, what team was that? Boston. Boston. Boston had him yep. out to celebrate. So, you know, good on you. Good on you, Willie, and good on you, Beantown. Absolutely. But, uh, astounding. I never knew that he was blind in one eye. Yeah, I so. mean, <laughs> I, I, you know, again, talk about being a gamer. That's Jeez, yeah. That's a Absolutely. hockey player. Amen to that, brother. Ooh, ooh, I, I've, uh, James, I have another goalie story, if you'll let me. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So this isn't so much a bio as it is just a story. And this is, this is from my book, which is 100 Things Ranger Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die, which is by uh, Adam Rader with Russ Cohen. So, yeah, th this, is, this is a crazy story. So I want to take you back. Let's go back, all the way back in our hockey time machine. Get it up to 88 miles an hour, which is, I'd imagine, easier on ice since it's frictionless. Doc went into that whole thing about how, you know, you could, if they had the time, they could wait for everything to freeze over and they could push the DeLorean down and just get it to... Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm going way off on a tangent. Anyway, let me take you all the way back to the year 1928. It is the second year of the existence of the New York Rangers. They are in the Stanley Cup Finals against Montreal. Not the Canadiens, the Habs. No, no, no. The Montreal Maroons is the team that they were playing. And so it is game two. The Rangers are down a game. And it is the second period, midway through the second period. And their goalie takes a puck to the face. And is bleeding profusely. And, uh, you know, similar to what I was kind of joking about before, doesn't know where he is. And so his teammates have to pull him off the ice. Now, now it is common practice for NHLs to carry a backup goalie that can jump right in the game if something happens to the starter. Back then, however, that was not the case. In fact, the practice back then was that the home team would have a couple, uh, often, would often have a couple of goalies from their minor league franchise just sit in the stands in case something happened. However, 
on this night, there were no backups to be had. In fact, there were a couple of goalies from other teams that were watching in the stands, but Montreal, being the great sportsmen that they were, refused to let the Rangers use them because uh, apparently there was a little bit of payola involved and the ownership of Montreal had promised each player a $3,000 bonus if they won the cup. So they're like, uh, you know what? No, uh, we're not, in fact, going to help you out in any way, shape, or form, and you're going to have to get yourself out of this. What a maroon. <laughs> so they're all, like, I guess they stop the game to figure out what's what's going to happen, what, you know, how they're going to finish. And so they're all in, like, uh, the dressing room, uh, in the Rangers' dressing room, and there's a bunch of guys huddled around in there, including some historic names, Con Smythe being one of them. Because Con Smythe was at the time coaching for Toronto, but the previous year, the first year of the Rangers' existence, he had been the manager for the Rangers. So Con Smythe is like, hey, I'll do it. And they're like, um, no, that's okay, Con. Th- thanks, but no thanks. We're good. <laughs> we'll figure something out. So um, the, the current manager and coach of the Rangers was Lester Patrick. Now, Lester Patrick at the time was 44. And he was a former defenseman, but he had since retired and now he was just coaching. So everybody's kind of looking around in the room and they're like, why don't we ask Lester to do it? And he's like, um, sure. Uh, You know, I, I I will, I will do this. And you guys are really going to have to protect me. You're going to get me the sturdiest set of equipment that you could possibly find. And you guys are going to go out there and make sure I don't face any shots. So uh, he goes out there. Now, mind you, this is game two of the Stanley Cup finals. And the Rangers are already down one. Second year of the Rangers' existence. So they go out there in the second period. Midway through the second period, they go out there. And uh, Lester Patrick faces a couple of gimmies. You know, Montreal isn't really pressing. There's no score at this point. But Montreal isn't really pressing because I guess they figure we can score on this guy at will so we don't have to expend too much of our energy yet. So, you know, they lob a few gimmies on him and he's stopping the puck. And so Lester Patrick starts getting cocky. He's like, yeah, shoot on me. Make them shoot on me. And the guy who took over on the bench, he's like, under no circumstances should you let them shoot on him. <laughs> so uh, the Rangers actually take the lead. And so Montreal starts scrambling and, and they are able to tie it up. And, and it's, a, it's a really tough game back and forth. And it goes to overtime. And lo and behold, the Rangers are able to hang on and win. So Lester Patrick got pulled out of the, you know, off the bench as a coach out of retirement to be the emergency goalie, and the Rangers would go on to win the Stanley Cup. Mind you, all of this was in Montreal, the, the entire series, because the Rangers, every year, were kicked out of Madison Square Garden, the old Madison Square Garden, when the circus came to town. So th- that's, that's another reason theorized why the Rangers won so few cups in those early days. But uh, yeah, so, <laughs> you know, that, 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 is, that is a story of Lester Patrick that I, I thought you might like to hear. Fantastic. And exactly that. That's the beauty and charm of the NHL. That is insane. What a story. It's not just even if it was a regular season game, that would be amazing enough. But the Stanley Cup final. Yes. On the road. The team is down. That is you can't make that up. That is beauty. Mm-hmm. Pure poetry. Yes. And uh, so another set, set me up for this, James, because uh, this is this is also an interesting tale from your Gretzky book. Okay, yeah, this is something I just recently learned from the Gretzky book, period. And you got to love it. The Micmac, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, hockey is in your blood, American Rhino, whether you knew it or not. Uh, you're the chosen one. It's amazing. The first ever hockey sticks were made by native North Americans known as the Micmacs. They spelled are, it. Yeah. Are we sure they weren't Klingons? Right, they, they were not Klingon. a little bit like that. <laughs> so the way it's spelled... Hockey sticks uh, were born on Kronos. Yeah. <laughs> they, um, like, uh, like Shakespeare. <laughs> the, 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 uh, the people 
the name Micmac, uh, I guess, was Americanized version of it, but it was spelled M-I, like apostrophe, K-M-A-Q-S. But uh, the Canadians just, I guess, for the English version, and if it was French or whatever, but it was known as Micmac, M-I-C dash M-A-C. M-I-C, M-A-C. S T I C K. All right. That was brilliant. You just did that on the spot. That that's insanely brilliant. Um, so uh, in 1863, the Star Manufacturing Company in Dartmouth, no- uh, Nova Scotia, began selling the Micmac hockey stick nationally and internationally. Mm. So that's just astounding that the first mass-produced hockey sticks, which were made by the native North Americans to begin with, then by a professional uh, manufacturer, were known as the Micmacs. And Lord Stanley's children used them too. So this history, it's off the charts. And fast forward to now, the American rhino, Mr. Gary Mack. Micmac, paddywhack, throw a guy a bone. Not very nice. That's uh, thank you, James. That's a great story. My pleasure. It, it was uh, something that when I read it, I, I just my eyes bulged out and, and I put the book down and I couldn't believe it. It was just too, too cool to be true. So that's awesome, man. So um, what, what yeah. stood out, what jumped out to me about this when you first sent me this kind of rundown and specifically about this story about the Micmacs is that I realized that's how it's spelled or that's how it sounds or pronounced Micmacs. But it's spelled M-I-C. Mick is M-I-C, like, like Tic Tacs uh, with M's, Mick Max. But the, the traditional spelling, or, or at least the contemporary uh, pronunciation of the spelling M-I-C is Mike. So that's, which is the abbreviation for microphone. So when I see M-I-C, M-A-C, I think it says Mike Mac, which is pretty much what I am every week on this podcast. So when you talk about it going full circle, that's, that's me. I am Mike Mack. So, hey, that's, uh, that's pretty cool. And I thank you for sharing that with me and with our listeners, James. Oh, please give yourself a round of applause because that, uh, that's just fantastic. All right. Yes. Hooray. Dilly dilly. Huzzah. Okay. And to sum up the book report, or at least yeah! the there we go. All right. And to sum up the book report, or at least the halfway book report of the uh, new Gretzky book, which did come out last year, but whatever. The rich history of the native North Americans in pro hockey is amazing, not only because of the Micmac, but we've even heard it said that professional or hockey was developed by the native North Americans as well before it turned into what we all know and love today, sure. but players included, which I never even realized. I had no idea that were Native North American. They have Native North American ties to them. One of my all-time favorite players, Theo Fleury, and uh, right on up to Carey Price, the amazing goalie for the uh, Montreal Canadiens. That, that's pretty amazing to me. Yes, yes. Well, you know what? That is pretty cool, and I, I guess... I think we tend to forget that the, the Native Americans and, and Native North Americans, I, I mean, I, I'm just speaking for myself. I'm not speaking for anybody else but myself. But I tend to forget that they're still around, you know, because they're uh, obviously uh, a bunch of them are, are kind of confined to their reservations and what have you even today, which is kind of unfortunate. But the, the the idea that that kind of culture is still out there and and still kind of intermingling with our our larger society is something that i often forget but you know it is it is there and especially if they helped invent the sport then you know it's 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 not i guess that big of a stretch to think that some of the stars in the nhl would have that lineage and i'm glad it's out there i'm glad that they have been able to uh, represent their heritage in that way. And uh, I think it's pretty cool for the game and, and just in general. Yeah, amen to that. And again, one of the reasons why I guess I never realized it is that, you know, especially for Gary and I, is it doesn't matter what your background is or what your nationality is or whatever, skin color, nothing. If, if you can play and if you're good, 
God bless. So, but exactly, it's it's good to know where it started and and that it's still healthy and alive and well and mm-hmm. the the ties from beginning to right on up to now in the future. So, uh, pretty interesting and great stuff. So, the great one comes through again, and when Gary drops this podcast, it will be. Mr. Gretzky's fifty uh, seventh birthday, I believe. So very happy birthday, great one! I know you're not going to hear that, but um, happy birthday nonetheless. <laughs> you don't know; he could be a secret listener. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would prefer if he didn't keep that secret. If uh, <laughs> if he was, you know, feel free to spread that around. But um, yeah, that that is happy birthday, happy birthday, Mr. Gretzky. I'm not going to be so presumptuous as to be on a first name basis. So, uh, so sir, happy birthday, by the way, just before we move on, speaking of Wayne Gretzky, have you seen the commercial for the new Bud Light or not Bud Light, Budweiser lamps that they have up in Canada, the hockey horns. So for, if you're not aware, listener, Basically, in Canada, these are only, as far as I know, only available in Canada. But Budweiser has a promotion where they sell these uh, hockey, they look like hockey lamps, you know, like your classic uh, hockey goal lamp. It's a red light. I think that's what they're called, Budweiser red lights. And so it's like, uh, I don't even, it. I'm sure it's plastic, but it looks like it's that kind of like industrial glass red glass with a, a metal cage around it, rounded metal cage around it. Like, you know, what you think of when you think of a goal lamp. So they sell these and you can sync them up to, I'm not sure, it probably syncs up to your phone, but I'm not sure exactly what the interface is. But basically, when your team scores, that light, wherever it is, will go off and, and the goal horn, I guess, for your team will sound. So... They've had this for a while, but I think they just came out with a new model of it. So they just released a commercial with a bunch of, I guess, Canadian hockey celebrities. And Wayne Gretzky was in it. And also in it were recent podcast guests, Oli and Jacob from On the Bench. So, uh, you know, that's that's some pretty good company to keep there, boys. So congratulations to you. And uh, it was a pretty cool commercial. So if you... If you're a hockey fan, even if you're not a Canadian hockey fan, if you are a hockey fan, you should try and, and check out this Budweiser red light commercial. And uh, it'll it'll give you a good feeling. It'll warm the cockles of your icy soul. So uh, not, not that I'm casting aspersions on you. I just mean that as a hockey fan, I assume some... Uh, some portion of your soul is frozen just because that's the the surface that ice hockey is played on, not uh, kind of to imply that you're a, a terrible cold hearted person. That would be, you know, why would I do that? I, why, I, why would I alienate our listeners? I don't know you that well, unless I do. Hi, Sue. Hi, Anthony. But otherwise, you know, I'm not assuming that I know you that well, and I'm not, not going to just go ahead and say things about you that aren't necessarily true. Why would it seem silly? Anyway, check out the commercial. I'm done. Oh, just one more question, though. Uh, That's very, and thank you for that. That's excellent. Is Mm -hmm. so if there was the six degrees of Kevin Bacon game to Mm -hmm. be played for hockey, would that connect? That would connect us to the great one, then, right? (laughs) Yes, yes, that's that's true. We are, uh, we're like three degrees from Wayne Gretzky. Oh, boy, uh, that's really exciting. I guess I'll take it. Uh, yeah, just uh, give me anything I could get. That's awesome. Thank you, sir. You just. You made my night. (laughs) Uh Yep. Gary and James were on the podcast with the On the Bench guys who were in a commercial with Wayne Gretzky. That's That's awesome. Who probably knows Kevin Bacon. I I don't know. I'm just assuming. Sure. (laughs) But uh, I bet you we do. We'll we'll, we'll save that for another time. But I'm sure there is a connection because Kiefer Sutherland is such a huge Gretzky fan and stuff like that. So Don't make me look this up. You know how I hate to actually put work into this podcast. No, no, we'll say we're kind of crunched for time, so we'll save that for another. But uh, oh yeah, wow, we've been talking for a while. Yeah, so we'll we'll kind of go through this pretty quickly, but we'll get to the points for the NHL All Star Game. In case you didn't hear about it, uh, the hockey fan, Um, it's this weekend at the recording of this podcast, and uh, the rosters are pretty tight and and well done. Hopefully, your favorite player or players made it for the local guys here in the tri-state area of New York, Jersey, and Connecticut. Josh Bailey of the Islanders, John Tavares of the Islanders as well, very deservedly so, and Mr. Henrik Lundqvist of the Rangers. 
and Taylor Hall of the New Jersey Devils all made the Metropolitan Division team. So we're all pretty happy with that. And uh, good for Superfan Sue as well. And also, there are only a couple of scratches. Victor Hedman is out because of an injury for the Atlantic team and the home team, if you will. And for the Pacific, and Mike probably won't appreciate this, is Jonathan Quick had to uh, be scratched because he's hurt as well. But other than that, it looks like a lot of fun. And they're doing the same four-on-four format, goalies included. And I believe this is the third year that they're doing the new format. So they're going to have three separate games 10-minute periods apiece, and then um, the third game will determine the winner of the All-Star game. And it's a lot of fun, and I think they do a good job with that. Yeah, I really like that format. I think it is, it's it is as you said, a lot of fun. It's like it's what I liken to arcade hockey. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's the format that they've adapted for overtime uh, the last couple of years, and it just it opens everything up and makes it fast and fun. And it's, it's the format that we in the LIQ use, and it's just, you know, it makes for a good time. Uh, you know, you don't have to, especially considering this is an exhibition, you don't have to worry too much about, you know, who's playing defense and who's playing offense. You just kind of, you just kind of play and you're, you're able to have fun and, and you just go out there and it's sometimes a little tough on the goalies, but you know, <laughs> they're the best of the best. That's how they made it there. And, uh, you know, sorry, boys, <laughs> just, uh, it's not about you. <laughs> just. Just do your best. Yeah, well, it's funny you should say that because I think, as you were mentioning, the three-on-three, four-on-four, including the goalies, makes it uh, a lot more competitive than it has been in the past. I think that's one of the reasons why the NHL changed it to this format. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, there are a lot of low-scoring periods now or games, if uh, whatever you want to look at it as, because the goalies really are uh, in there. And and exactly, there's only three guys to worry about as opposed to five. And uh, obviously, in All-Star Games past, there weren't much defense either, because it was all to put on a big show and things like that. So yeah, I I think that they've they've done a good job to incorporate the goalies and make them as important as they should be. And uh, I think it's paid off in that aspect. Things that have changed this year will be the skills competition. And personally, it's my favorite part of the All-Star Game. And that includes the MLB All-Star Game, which I think is the best All-Star Game of them all. But NHL is pretty much on par with that now because of the new setup. But American Rhino, if you wouldn't mind uh, speaking of the goalies going through uh, new changes for the skills competition this year. Yeah, so of course, I'd be happy to. So one big change that they're doing with the goalies is they've added an event. And that is the goalies are going to have a save streak competition. And that includes like, um, so basically it's a series of shootouts and the goalie that has the longest consecutive save streak, I guess the goalie that faces the most number of shots without giving up a goal is what that would be, is the one that's going to win. And if there is a tie amongst the netminders, uh, the guy that has the most saves made during the entire round is the one that wins. So that's a really interesting new wrinkle, and that's pretty cool because I don't think that the goalies have much chance or as much of a chance to showcase their skill set in the skills competition up until now. So the fact that they have that kind of, uh, you know, and granted, the the shootout is always kind of a luck of the draw kind of thing anyway, but, you know, some guys really excel in that that shootout penalty shot situation. So I think the fact that they're adding that particular skill game is something pretty cool and, and something that I think guys will shine in. Agreed. Some more adjustments is with the skills competition this season is that instead of pitting division versus division, the league went quote unquote back to basics to test hockey players on their skills, despite what division they're in. So For example, if you have a fast player and uh, like two fast players and they happen to be in the Metropolitan Division, for example, they'll face off against each other and do the race that way as opposed to having someone from the uh, East play someone from the West and and then whoever wins, blah, blah, blah. So I think that's going to be cool and the competition is going to be stiffer because of that. Too fast, Uh, too rivalous. That's right. That's (laughs) That's not even remotely a word. Neither of those movies considered movies in in my book, and I love muscle cars. But anyway, uh, shooting accuracy, the uh, American Rhino, if you wouldn't mind kind of walking us through this, too, because you are the bastion of technology. Yeah, Um, I actually I think this this change is really cool. And 
I'm I'm surprised it took them this long to make it, frankly, because given the the evolving nature of technology and and how simple this change seems to be. So essentially, they've uh, replaced the accuracy competition, whereas before it was just there were targets in each corner that styrofoam targets that the players had to shoot out and they had a like a limited number of time in which to do it and i guess the fastest time won now they've changed it so the targets are no longer styrofoam they are targets with leds built into them and so the LEDs will light up on each target kind of randomly. So instead of, whereas before the player could shoot at whatever target he wanted in whatever order he wanted, now the target that lights up will be the target that the player has to shoot at, and he'll have three seconds to hit it before the next target lights up. So it'll randomly light up one at a time, and you know the, the player's turn is over, when he winds up hitting all the targets and the fastest time still wins. And now there are five targets. So that's that's actually, that's pretty cool. I am also looking forward to that. Absolutely. And then they've also made some adjustments to the passing and puck control relay as they are getting some technical upgrades as well. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I always love the skills competition. And this just, again, tap of the stick to the NHL for doing a great job in the evolution of the sport and the fun, and it should be great. Yeah, we've talked a lot on the podcast in previous episodes about how the NHL tries to be on the cutting edge of technology, and I think this is a great way to just kind of incorporate that into something fun. So, um, you know, cheers. Here's to you, NHL, for a job well done. Last minute remaining in the podcast. Thank you, Pops. All right, another hit the deck has come and gone, and boy, did that hour go fast. We, uh, you know, if nothing else, it proves that James and I can ramble with the best of them. So uh, thank you, of course, for hanging with us for another episode of Hit the Deck. We appreciate your listenership. If it was not for you, there would be no Hit the Deck. So we, of course, want to thank you for tuning in. And if you like the podcast, tell your friends. Tell your friends about Hit the Deck. We want to grow our community and we want to share the love or share the fun, or share the nonsense, or share the whatever this is. So thank you for that. Thank you, Pops, for being the voice of the podcast. Thank you to Anthony Sajazi for your music provided to the podcast. Thank you to the LIQ for sound effects. And I will thank you, as ever, to subscribe to this podcast. If you have not done so already, we can be subscribed to on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or the Podbean app or any number of other podcast applications. And if we are not on your chosen podcast feed, let us know and we will try our very level best to get there. We would also encourage you, please, 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 now more than ever... With the changes that have recently been implemented by YouTube, it is imperative that if you like Hit the Deck, please consider subscribing to us on YouTube. And the more subscribers we have, the more we can grow our YouTube channel and the more great content, uh, video content, we can deliver to you and, and share the Hit the Deck fun there and, again, grow our community. Uh, I have not mentioned this in a while but I would encourage you, please, uh, nay, I will request. I I will get down on my knees figuratively because if I do that now, I will be away from the microphone and you won't be able to hear me. Uh, and that would make for bad radio. But so I will figuratively entreat you on bended knee to please consider leaving us a review in iTunes. It doesn't have to be a five-star review. If you think we have earned a five-star review, I would love, and I'm sure James would love that five-star review, but we are honest purveyors of podcast, and we just want you to be honest as well and give people an accurate reflection of what they can expect from Hit the Deck. But the really, really important thing to us, it would help us immeasurably if you would consider reviewing and rating us on iTunes. So please, please, please go in there and do that for us. Do us a solid. We would really genuinely appreciate it. So um, all that being said, James, is there anything that I have neglected to mention or that you would care to add? No, that would be great. And our goal is to earn that five-star review. And again, if you want to reach out to us, uh, we're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hit the Deck on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at Hit the Deck Pod. And of course, that's D-E-K. 
And if you want to email us, hit the deck at gmail.com. And thank you so much, American Rhino, for all you've done. And thank you for listening, everybody out there. And happy birthday, Wayne Gretzky. That's my great defenseman right there, picking me up, as you always do. I appreciate that. Thank you so I have much. To, I have to redeem myself from last edition, so thank you. And with that said, we will once again leave you with the same sage advice as ever. Whether you are emulating some old-timey hockey or doing your level best to show off your hockey skills, whether you're playing deck hockey in boots, or whether you're just hanging out with your friends and having a great time making some great memories. Whatever you're doing, we would urge you to remember it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. How dare you insult our podcast? How dare you insult the integrity of this podcast, sir? Have you no shame? Don't add your opinion. Well, it's our podcast, so we can (laughs) say whatever we want about it. It's true. It's true.